right, welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number 73. I am your host, Joe Sevilla, and thank you for listening to the show. If you like this show, please make sure you hit subscribe wherever you are listening to the show, and also follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at R&R Coffee Show. Now, I'm really excited about this episode's guest. He is the original founding guitarist for the rock act Sponge, and now he is also the lead vocalist and guitarist for his new band called MC Rhodes. Now, MC Rhodes has a new EP out called No Nostalgia. It is out on Golden Robot Records. It's a collection of five bluesy rock classic songs, you know, with a modern twist. I definitely recommend you check it out. You can find No Nostalgia on all digital streaming platforms, so after this episode, after you're done listening, make sure to go listen to this album. You won't be disappointed. All right, again, I want to thank you for listening. And like I said earlier, please make sure you subscribe on uh, Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Subscribe so you can be updated as we release new episodes every Friday. And also make sure to go over to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and follow us at R&R Coffee Show. Spread the word, share the posts. Thanks for listening. Hey, Joe. What's going on, Mike? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Where are you, up in Detroit? Yes, northwest Detroit, but yeah. Okay, how, how is it up there right now? Well, you know, it's getting to the fall, you know, the, the chill temperatures are starting to come in at night, you know. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah beautiful day today was like nice and sunny and 60 degree area so it's really nice but it gets fucking cold up there doesn't it it does really <laughs> fucking cold i i had i have a good friend that is from uh lapeer and he yeah. used to and then i met him in florida when he moved to florida and he yeah. would tell me how much he hated it in the winter time up there yeah so i mean um interesting uh like i'm i'm kind of look at good looking at options you know uh, cause I'm the six, seven month winners, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a true Detroiter, but you know, I'm kind of looking at something a little warmer, I think is in yeah. my future. So, yeah. well, there you go. And that, and that happens when you get older, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not that old, <laughs> but you know. no, you're not. You're probably, you're, you're probably around <laughs> my age, so. But, you know, I think wise is a better word. So there you go. Wise. Like wise. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you, were you born in Detroit? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you've been there right smack in the middle of Detroit, Mount Carmel Hospital. You know the old Mount Carmel Hospital, right in the middle of the city there. So, wow. So you grew up in Detroit, and did you ever leave Detroit? Like, have a house somewhere else? No. No. I mean, you know, I've been, you know, some of the, you know, out, out, you know, the suburbs around there and stuff like that, but pretty much all right in the area. So. Okay. Okay. Now, when you were growing up. Did you have a lot of music in the family? I always like to ask that question because I'm just curious of these of musicians if they had music around when they were a kid. You know, um, not like it. It basically, my older sister played like a lot of 45s. You know, uh-huh. and um, I used to get access to music through her. You know, um, and you know, like all the old 70s 45s. So that was like my first. Um, you know, first, you know, kind of like introduction to music. And she would get by the 45s because, you know, that's what her and her friends were doing. But then I'd take the 45s, put in my room and play them 25 times. Right. You know, and um, so I was told um, by my parents, and I don't know, you know, how I assume it's true, but, you know, it's <laughs> like my first words, two words were la la, you know. So I guess I was the music guy, you know, Um and uh you know kind of carried on since then so yeah now what age did you find an instrument so uh you know worked on in a paper route you know i got this brilliant idea when i was like in fifth grade that you know if i worked on a paper route then i could buy the guitar that i saw in this jc penny catalog you know oh, yeah. i just kind of like figured out how many papers i would need you know and how long i need to do it and then, you know, I could order this JCPenney guitar that I looked at. I, lo- I used to look at those Grinnells and JCPenney catalogs and, you know, figure out what amp I want, what guitar I want, you know. So. Right, right. 
so you've always played guitar you started on guitar yeah so you know uh, i didn't end up getting that guitar um you know till i was about 14 you know and um and so it was it was a little bit of a wait and stuff but um i finally got it and i started right up with lessons you know at your local you know music store and right. you know kind of pick things up you know okay and now your brother also plays correct yeah okay. yeah he's a bass player my yeah he was the bass player in sponge and or the original sponge and um so he, that story was he he always wanted drums but we were both on the paper route and i told him by the time we get you drums you know we're going to be like old men you know so you got you need to slim it down we need to get you a, a bass guitar plus i already knew two drummers at our school you know yeah so it just didn't make you know sense for him to want to play drums so i talked him into playing bass <laughs> so you kind of conned him into the bass <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man so let me ask you this so when you were starting out and forming bands were you always with your brother because your your first major band was what loud house yeah yeah okay. so tim was in that band too but no it didn't really it didn't really go that way like in high school we kind of split up you know and uh you know i people were asking me to play in different bands and stuff and you know i kind of left home you know before you know right around graduation time i was just like i was out playing clubs you know mm. and um so i had a band you know in the city was like a metal band and um you know i kind of was chosen you know it was one of those things to where i actually went to an audition you know oh, and yeah <laughs> and i brought my amp and you know my flying v guitar you know and i go down there there's a bunch of guys it was way downtown detroit you know and and they were like, you know, play Iron Maiden, you know, I don't remember what song, Killers, you know, and, right. and they're play this song and play Judas Priest. And, you know, of course, I, I like practiced for it. So I had it down, yeah. you know, and, and I kind of look like a little like, like KK Downing, you know, with the, I have my hair down to my, you know, mid back and stuff <laughs> with my flying feet. So they were like, this guy's like KK Downing. Okay. So you're in, you know, so, um, you know. So we, we split up during that period, but, um, Loud House, you know, came around, uh, out of a band called Murder City that we were, you know, me and my brother had formed and, um, actually the singer in Sponge, um, was the drummer, right. um, you know, and so we, we, we somehow figured out how to get a, a record deal through, uh, Virgin Music, you know, with a bunch of songs we wrote, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, I think we sold like 12,000 copies or something, you know, so. Right. Well, you guys also had a song in uh, Point Break, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was, uh, that was one of the, probably the highlights of that thing. You know, um, it was like a remake of a, uh, um, you know, Deep Purple song. It was like an industrial version of like Smoke on the Water. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, somebody at the record company, you know, played it for, um, you know, some of the people that are involved with that movie and they, they loved it. And the scene that it's in, I mean, they play that movie all the time, you yeah. know, it's funny. It's like, I'll be, you know, you know, watching, you know, some TV with some friends and stuff and that movie will come on. I'll be like, you know, I got a song in this movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't believe you, right? They're playing football on a beach or something. Patrick Swayze and you know, yeah, yeah, guys, so, so. yeah. Do you does that still you show up on your royalty checks? You know, I think you know it's like twenty two cents or something <laughs> every year or something. something like nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't was now was Loud House. I mean, what did you guys do? I know besides the movie song. I mean, what what did Loud House do? Because I don't. I was into that scene, but I don't remember. Yeah. So that was more like a regional thing, you know? Okay. Um, and the way I kind of describe Loud House is, you know, we got the deal, we get this movie thing. And then, you know, I mean, we were all kind of like had our own different, you know, drug of choice. And, you know, we were all, you know, kind of musicians trying to hash things out and no, re nothing really came of that that single in the movie you know uh -huh. and you know <clears throat> there was internal problems within the group you know the singer was seeing the vision a little bit different than the rest of the band 
So we kind of parted ways. Um, but what that did is it kind of made, you know, our, we, you know, the most of us that stuck together, um, and, you know, kept writing, you know, we had the same rehearsal hall, uh, downtown Roseville, Michigan, which is this rehearsal hall behind a bowling alley in Detroit, you know, in Detroit down there, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we played, you know, a bunch of gigs with Loud House and people liked us in Detroit and Indiana and like Illinois, but that was about as far as it got, you know? Okay. Um, so when we kind of disbanded, uh, the singer left and, um, you know, the drummer, uh, Vin and my brother and myself, we got this other guitar player named Joey Mazzola, you know? And so we just kept writing in this storefront and we were like, well, we're not done with the record business yet. You know, we're just going to keep going. Right. And, um, and that developed into the whole sponge thing, you know? Right. So when you started developing sponge, I mean, when did it come time for Vinny to step up to vocals? Yeah. So, and, and it was just kind of one of those things to where we didn't have a singer or we were, you know, looking for singers, kind of auditioned for singers, but at the same time we we're, we we're writing songs and, um, he was like, Hey, can I, you know, I'll sing on these demos and, you know, so we go to the studio in the middle of the woods, you know, called The Loft, and um, we would lay down these tracks, and I listened to these tracks, and I said, man, you know, you got like a grit to your voice, you know, you got you got something, you know, good quality to your voice, you know, this sounded pretty good. Uh, I, I go, but I we never, you know, to us, we wanted that front man thing, you know, right. so he was, he convinced us that, hey you know, I'll give that a shot. So instead of looking for a singer, after we did these demos, we started looking for a drummer, you know, so. Well, that's probably a little easier than finding a, the perfect singer, I would think. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. the process of elimination, you know, who's going to be the singer, yeah. you know, and if we, if we can get that handled. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how it worked. And so it gelled from there. And, and some of those early demos really were, you know, part of the rotting pinata record, you know, I mean, um, you know, we had recorded, you know, that song plowed, you know, early on. And, uh, so, I mean, that's kind of how that it took shape, you know, and it was a, it was a, it was a completely natural, I, I kind of explain it like, it's like, it was a natural progression, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the same guys writing just a, another guy, uh, Joey on the guitar who, who brought, you know, a lot of things like he, Joey's more of a blues style guitar player with slide, you know, he plays really good slide. So adding that in the mix, you know, really, really changed the sound. And of course, you know, Vin singing. So, yeah. Now what year was this? Where, where are we at here? I'd have been, so, uh, Loud House was like in the, you know, 90, 91, you know, with our, our album for crying out loud, we, we released a full LP on Virgin Records and we were pretty much finished by 92. So this sponge thing, collaboration, probably in the 93 area, you know? Okay. 92, 93, you know? And then once sponge got together, I mean, how soon after that did you guys land your deal? So, you know, it, it was weird back then. And, um, you know, a lot of our friends were like going to California, you know, and you know, trying to get a record deal out there. And, we just kept writing and recording, you know, so we would go out and play, um, you know, Vin was, you know, at first was a little bit like, Hey, I want to try this thing, you know, out of town because, you know, we had this big record deal, loud house. And now, you know, we got this drummer that's turned singer. So we would go out and play like the Indiana and Illinois and stuff. And we would play under like band, like a name, like electric cattle gods, you know, okay. you, know? you know, just as some obscure name, we just made up this name and just to get our live show down. But we still had the same kind of man, the manager, um, that, and, and we were still working with the same people that kind of got us the deal for, you know, loud house, you know? Okay. So they sent, the we we uh, a re we landed on like a four song demo you know and that and one of the songs on the demo was plowed right mm. so um 
you know, we sent it to our attorney when we were ready and, you know, when we had our live show down. And then, you know, we start getting record companies like wanting to fly to Detroit, you know. All our friends were like going to California, you know, right. and, you know, setting up shop, trying to, you know, do the band house and stuff. And, you know, we just had people, people really got interested in the music again. And so, you know, we had Atlantic Records and, and you know all these record companies flying in saying hey we we like this demo what really changed it for us joe was um donnie einer was the president of columbia records back then and believe it or not the demo made it to his son okay um his son had heard this song plowed and um so he kept going to his dad, you know, hey, dad, you know, this song rocks, you know. So finally, Donnie sat down and listened to the demo and he just like flipped out. You know, he's like, my, you know, my son loves this song. I love this song. And then all of a sudden we were on a plane to New York to Sony Music, you know, and we were up in, you know, in the tower there, you know, auditioning literally, you know, old school, you know, the whole band came out there. We go out there, we set up shop at Sony Music, the record guys come down and they sit in their chairs and we sit there and jam out, you know, the songs. <laughs> that, well, that had you to know? be nerve wracking. Absolutely. No, you know? no crowd. I mean, you talk just about the, pressure. Yeah. No, you go. no crowd, just the record execs. Exactly. You know, so like no, no cheering fans, no nothing, <laughs> just, you know, a bunch of guys in suits, you know? That's tough. I've, Old I've, school. I've played in some bands, and I know, you know, live you get a lot of that energy from the crowd. So I Absolutely. could imagine playing yeah. in front of just yeah. some record guys. And then you know, so we'd play the song "Plowed," and then Donnie would go, "Play that song again." <laughs> we were like, <laughs> "Okay, back one, two, three, four, bam," you know. And then they'd go, uh, "Play it again," you know. And you know, we're like, "Okay." So I, I don't know how many times we played that song, but finally they were convinced we could play it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so was it a done deal that day? Yes, you know, and then uh, it was really like a dream, you know. I mean, we were like, you know, these guys that we, we were in this broken band that lost their record deal and just kept going, and then all of a sudden it was like a real record deal, you know. I mean, like they were talking about, you know, two records with an option of a third and a big budget for videos and you know, radio and, you know, that's when you could really count on radio too, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, meetings at the top of Sony music with all these promoters all over the world. So, I mean, we we're like, Oh, okay. So we kind of stepped into something here, you know? Yeah. Now you kind of already been through it though with Virgin, right? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. were you thinking, uh, well, you know, let's see what happens or were you, did this seem like a more legit, more real signing? I think um, it was like to me, and, and that's a really good question. To me, what I thought Loudhouse was missing, Loudhouse was, you know, a very like um, ethereal type band to where, like, I never saw it going commercial to where, you know, we could actually have some songs on the radio. I just didn't see it, you know? Okay. To whereas my influence, I think, with Sponge was more like, you know, we got this thing now naturally what we do is we write songs you know three four minute songs and yeah they're heavy and you know we incorporated like the two guitar player thing but there we also wrote songs that work you know in a radio format you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and so in my internally what i felt is this thing has really got a chance you know um a cool a cool band that writes you know cool songs but also we can get them on the radio you know, yeah. so and then so I'm sure you assumed Plout was going to be the first single since they had you play it so many times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was like, um, although, I mean, I did have some, you know, arguments, you know, with, you know, uh, you know, Vin, you know, about are, are we going to use this song as a single? And I'm like, you're crazy. We got to use this thing as a single. So, you know, there's always that push pull, you know, yeah. where the singers, you know, got other ideas and stuff, but that's when the creative tension started happening right there. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to stick with the format here. You know, this is what got us a deal. 
um, these guys are on this thing. So yeah, we, and actually the first, um, Columbia did a, a smart thing. They put us on the work label, uh, the chaos label, um, because, you know, we were kind of like, Hey, we don't want to go out there with this big label because at the time, you know, all these indie labels were coming up and stuff like that. So they put us on this work group label, you know, mm, okay. and those people worked really hard. I mean, they really did, you know, mm. Um, but what we did is we came out, there was a, um, longer song, not as commercial called Nina Menasha on, on Rotting Pinata. And so what we did is we dropped a four song EP and made Nina Menasha our first, we made a video for it. So that's kind of how we introduced the band. A lot of people don't know that because, you know, Plowed hit the radio so big and everything. They, everybody, that's when people really started to know about us. Okay. But they they did a smart thing by kind of introducing us with this song Nina Menasha, which is a great tune, you know. So uh-huh. now, did that have success? You know, it got MT a little bit on MTV. You know, okay. it got us a couple spins on MTV. Um, so it kind of opened up some doors for us. But the song that really broke us uh, was Plowed, and you know, there was a radio station that that started kicking it, and um, you know it started to get, you know, spins, you know, I remember we were, we were like, we're touring all over the country in this like passenger van, you know? Yeah. And then, um, I remember one time pulling into Texas or Phoenix and turning on a radio in the passenger van and, you know, here's a song plowed, you know, like blaring and we're like, Oh shit, you know, we're like on the radio here, you know, we're, and then we start getting spins and then, uh, so we shot a video for it, you know, for Plowed, and then all of a sudden that thing, it just blew up, you know, and we were getting invitations from, like, David Letterman and Conan O'Brien, and, you know, right. so that's when things really started to move, so. Yeah. How, how are those late shows to play? Is that, a, is that a good time, or is it more work than it is worth? Well, yeah, so what I remember is you they call the late show, but you tape them in the afternoon, So right. so it's like wherever you are, you know, like you're in Texas or I think one time we were like even overseas and we're flying, you know, taking an early flight to get there for a one o'clock taping, you know. So I remember that part. And I remember, you know, specifically that, um, you know, the guitars really got to be in tune on TV, you know, um, and because I would go back and I'd listen to our first take and, you know, something would sound off and I'd be like, man you know, on TV, we really got to be in tune. So we would tune, 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 you know, um, till we got, you know, especially with two guitar player band, you don't want it to sound out of phase. So, um, what I learned real quickly was get back there in the sound, in the soundboard with the tape people and make sure the guitars and all the the volumes are right and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, you know, that was one, again, like playing in front of the suits, you know, same kind of thing. There's a, there's an audience there, but it's like the audience is way far away, you know, and, and really you want, you got one or two takes to get the thing right, you know, so. So, so that you record more than one time. It's not just one and go. Yeah. Well, I think they gave us two or three pops at it and okay. that was it, you know, okay. um, actually there was, there was a couple that we just had to go in and do once, you know, and uh-huh. hope that it sounded good, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fun. You got to do those shows. Oh, yeah, that was great. You know, and it was really good for, you know, getting the word out, you know. I mean, man, getting those late shows, like, you know, we would see, you know, the record sales, you know, spike up and stuff every time we would do something like that, you know. Yeah. So here you guys are out in a van, touring around, plowed's on the radio, uh, picking up steam um are you seeing these record sales start climbing fast yeah 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 i mean um it's like i said it's just one of those kind of like rags to riches thing you know it's like all of a sudden you know we're playing you know a 400 seat club and then next we're we're getting invitations to play with like you know van halen you know right. <laughs> open up for van halen or you know we we play with the cult at the palladium you know in front of five thousand people you know nice. so you know it went pretty quick you know right so you're on the road and your label calls you and says hey you're going out with this band is 
Is that basically what happened? They pull you off the road? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, so at that point, you're like, you're worth, you know, like you, other bands start seeing you as, as uh, like a band that can draw and help, sure. you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, and, and it makes sense, you know, it's like, Hey, we got a number three or four, you know, alternative track on the radio, you know, so these guys can help us draw. So we become more, I guess, I don't know, interesting to people that are trying to fill up hockey arenas, you know, well, if sure. these guys can pull in, you know, these guys on the bill. So we did, you know, shows with like live and collective soul, you know, all those bands that were, were you know, back then. So, yeah. Who was your first big tour with? That, that would have, I think it was live. Um, we did, a like a hockey arena tour with uh, the band live and then went pretty well. So I always liked that. What happened to them? You know, I don't know, but I mean, I, they had some great songs and yeah. um, I remember them being really great to work with. So, yeah. All right. So now you're out here with uh, getting these bigger shows and then you guys, your second single was Molly. Yeah. Which was know? even bigger than plowed, right? Right. I mean that, you know, kind of went, um, you know, that went in, I, I don't know, first or second or something third. I, I don't know exactly, but that, you know, took us into the kind of alternative, you know, Plow was more rock alternative, but, you know, Molly put us in like the kind of alternative, you know, charting things. And, and that was kind of the music that was happening back then with, you know, like Blind Melon and, you yeah. know, all those other bands, you know, so. Yeah. So, and then you did some headlining shows later on, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like the natural progression was like, okay, you know, now we're able to do like hockey arenas, you know, now we're able to headline, you know, seven, 8,000, you know, seat places. So and we went straight on to do that, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, there was a time, you know, Joe, where we were like, you know, we worked hard, man. I mean, we, we were like, you know, 10, 11 days on one day off, you know, doing, you know, sleeping in a bus, you know, rolling up, doing, you know, getting a day room for, you know, um, hotels and stuff, and then back on the bus and gone, you know. So, I mean, we were killing it, you know. So you were living your dream at this point. You got it, man, you know. So, I mean, we were like, hey, whatever it takes. And, you know, plane rides here and there. And, you know, we were on a plane or a bus pretty much every day, you know, so. Right. Now, you guys did, you supported KISS too, right? Yeah, so that was like a fluke kind of thing. On the second record, we switched management company, and um, Susan Silver from, um, uh, you know, who manages like or used to manage Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, right? So we thought, okay, she, you know, she became interested in the group. So she was our manager at the time. And what had happened is uh, Kiss had that, you know, big show planned Tiger Stadium downtown. And we were off tour at that point. Um, Alice and James was opening, so there's Susan's involvement in that show. And Stone Temple Pilots was supposed to open for Alice and James. Well, something happened, I think, with uh, the singer um, mm-hmm. to where they had to cancel the gig. And we got a call, I don't know, a few days before the show, you know. And we were like, they were like, how'd you like to open up for kiss it in your hometown and we're like uh you don't have to ask us twice you know <laughs> let me think we'll about be there that. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that had to be like blow your mind your it was it was amazing you know um you know not to mention i mean it's like the biggest venue you could play here number yeah. one but you know kiss legends you know the whole original band Right. Right. Um, and then Alice and Chains, who we we were like tight with, you know, because we would see them at gigs and and stuff. I mean, like if they were in Detroit, like we'd be playing, you know, cards, poker at my guitar, you know, Joey's house. Yeah. In downtown yeah. Detroit, you know, so we were we were kind of buds with them. So um, and I love that band. I mean, Great Jerry, band. you know, the way he writes songs and Lane, you know, back then and. You know, the unfortunate thing is that was the last time we we saw Lane alive. You know, um, oh, you know, yeah. So it was it was a good and bad thing there. You know, he was in rough shape. You know, and uh, 
but you know we got to see him one last time so you know mm-hmm. i'm thankful for that so mm-hmm. so you guys w- went on to record you recorded with sponge two more albums correct yes yes okay. yeah and then at the end of the day what was why did you leave so <clears throat> you know it, it's it's kind of one of those things you know it's like um the direction was super solid on Ronnie Pinata and then as we get into that second record, you know, all of a sudden there's different people and there's, you know, suggestions and stuff. And, and the core writing thing started to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I kind of fought the direction pretty vigorously, you know, um, between the first and second record. I didn't think we were going in the right direction. I, I thought we should have spent more time uh, with a follow-up record and we were making, in my opinion, rash decisions were being made with songs, you know, um, you know, I explain it like this, you know, you know, we got, you know, we ended up with two, uh, top, you know, five, you know, charting songs off the, off the first record. And so we could have taken a little bit more time. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I start getting songs, you know, handed songs you know about drag queens you know and i'm like well what are we doing here you know it's like i mean and i got nothing against drag queens i mean that that don't don't hear me wrong but it's like you know i didn't see really where we were going yeah with the whole thing you know i mean we would have a song like wax ecstatic which we all you know stamped you know that's that's a sponge song you know or or have you seen mary but there were other things on their record to where, I mean, I kind of was like, we, we need to keep writing and stuff like that. So, but being one fourth, you know, of decision-making process, you know, it was, it, it became more of like, this guy's writing this song, this guy's writing this song with this in, it was a lot different formula formula than what I thought was our success formula, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of, kind of carried on, um, and then there were, you know, other crazy things that happened, like, uh, like we were, you know, we got an opportunity to open up for Soundgarden and, uh, you know, we lost their singer on tour, you know, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, crazy shit happening like that. And I'm like, okay, this really isn't, you know, going in the right direction, you right. know, so you lost your singer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he left us, you know, um, we were in, uh, you know, France and, uh, you know, he got kind of whacked out and got on an airplane and, you know, abandoned us while we were, you know, out in, uh, overseas, you know, oh, shit. and, um, know that. flew back to the United States, you know, so we were kind of sitting there after the record company, you know, put up a bunch of money to put us out there and, you know, open up for Soundgarden and we were, kind of left hanging the bag, you know, so I had to make the decision to, you know, fly the band back home, you know, so at that point, do you have a band left, you know, I right. mean, you know, what do you, what do you do? You That's got so, to be a little embarrassing too. Uh, to say the least, <laughs> oh, you know, geez. but you know, at that point, you know, you're talking real money to, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're putting, you know, taking crew of, you know, six people and, you know, gear and, and opening slots you know, for a big band like that, you know, you got, you know, you got to go out there with the intent to kill it. And really that was our opportunity to break overseas. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that was the death of the That's band it. right there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that third record was just really just, a kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like, okay, um, let's come back and see what we can salvage out of that. But to me, you know, I kind of knew it was over on that plane ride back from uh, France. You yeah, know? yeah. So you left the band, and then now you took a long time off. Is that correct? Yeah, I took more time than I thought I would, you know. Um, and it, it was just one of those things to where, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, give you a crying in your, your milk story kind of deal, but, it, you know, it was a big disappointment. You know, I uh-huh. mean, we, uh, we had worked for 10 years, you know, as a band to, you know, through, you know, Murder City, through Loud House. And finally, you know, you started to see the fruits of our work 
with sponge and, and then for it to just turn so ugly so quick, um, I really had to just kind of go back and, and take a little break and see, okay, so what if I was going to continue doing this, you know, down the road and I don't know when, um, and keep in mind, you know, I, I, I'd still go right with, you know, people would come and say, Hey, can you help me out with the song or can, can you produce this demo or can you come play on this? I would still do that stuff, you know, uh, yeah. but I just stayed purposely out of the scene and, you know, the, 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 the music business has changed a little bit too, you know? So, um, <clears throat> but I personally went like, Hey, if I'm going to, you know, do this, um, down the road, you know, what am I going to do differently? You know? And, um, one of the things I came up with is, you know, I got to be the one that has and keeps the vision of the music, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? because, you know, it's just too much work, Joe, to depend on, you know, a few other people to see it the same way you do, you know, yeah, right. um, and, and some bands ha are fortunate, you know, they, you know, it just seems to work like that, you know, uh, but so often than not, you know, you got a few good records and then, you know, things start to go astray, you know? So for me, it was really just like when, you know, when I do this, how can I keep the vision? How can I take the songs that, you know, I was always a contributor before. I mean, I would give, you know, full songs like, you know, have you seen Mary was, you know, basically a result of this riff that I, you know, um, I played, um, I was like, it turned into a whole song, but, but, you know, how do I start to develop something that I can control, you know, as opposed to contributing like in a band scenario. And I didn't know it at the time, but you know, then I started doing like demos and I'm like, I'm just going to sing them myself and, and I'm going to come up with a sound that works with my vocals. And at the time I was just like, well, is this going to be like a writing thing? Like I'm going to submit these to our publisher and see if somebody else wants to right. use this song, you know, that kind of thing. But as I started doing the demos and as I started, you know, really getting to what I wanted to do, it really came to this sound that we got with MC Rhodes, you know? Um, and I was like, so, you know, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> right, right. Now, when, how long did it take you to find your voice? Well, so, you know, again, that was just like one of those things to where I, I kept working at it, working at it, but I was, you know, doing different things and I got involved in, you know, a few, you know, business stuff and everything, you know, trying to make a living and stuff. But I would say um, really right around the COVID time is when, you know, I had these songs recorded and I was like, okay, everything slowed down. You know, it, it, Joe, it's like everything shut down, yeah. you know? And, and here I am and I'm like, I got these songs and I'm like, I don't know. I, I had realized that you want to know what happened. It's like, I saw this movie, believe it or not, called finding sugar man or looking for sugar man, you know? Okay. Um, and it's about this, you know, Detroit songwriter that, had had this record deal and you know nothing really happened with it you know he pursued it and then you know he just started taking care of his family because he assumed like you know it was over you know and he was cool with it you know um you know he never stopped playing or anything but you know he had a family he had this and wouldn't you know it that <clears throat> it's like his songs are like huge overseas you know and they can't, they don't know this guy's alive, you know, the movie was spectacular, you know, but, and I saw that movie right around COVID and I just started playing these demos that I'd done before. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something with this, you know, and, um, <clears throat> now's the time, you know, um, and I don't really care if anybody likes it because the music business had changed so much to where you can actually put out your own stuff. You know, you don't right. need a record company. You don't need this. You can just put it out. So I was like, I get a bunch of, you know, people, musicians, and I play them the demos. And, and these guys are real Detroit musicians. These guys aren't, you know, you know, just some people I'm telling what to do. And I'm, they're listening to them like, man, these songs are great. You know, so 
the region ideas, you know, we're going to do some covers, we're going to do some of these originals. And um, as I started pursuing it, I was like, okay, so I'm going to put this out as a project, you know, and uh, really go for it. So, okay. Now tell me a little bit about your writing <coughs> style for this out. This EP, it's an EP, right? Yeah. Five, yeah. Like, yeah. How five many songs. songs yeah. Five songs. Um, no nostalgia is what yeah. it's called. Tell me about the writing process for that because the writing for this, I mean, MC Rhodes and Sponge don't really sound the same. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about and, this writing yeah. process. So Sponge was very much like a collaborative thing. Okay. Um, somebody come down with a guitar riff, somebody come down with a melody, somebody come down with a lyric, you know, whereas this thing is me myself and I, you know, um, it's my lyrics, my songs and my vision in the music, you know? So, um, it, there are songs that are written, you know, stories that, you know, personal stories and songs that, that I, I literally write by myself, you know? Um, and this particular album, I even did most of the guitar work, um, you know, and, you know, basically had, you know, a bass player, a drummer come in and do it. But like I produced it, um, I wrote all the songs and it really came down from what I think, Joe, is just it's one of those things. You know, it starts out with, you know, I'm I'm giving little riffs to like the singer in Loud House and then we're t making that in the song. And then with Sponge, it was more collaborative to where. I was more involved with the production and the arrangements and the lyrics and the music, you know, I mean, right. that guitar riff and, and plow, that's, you know, my invention, you know, right. but, um, and have you seen Mary? And this was like, okay, I'm going to take all that and then I'm going to incorporate my voice and I'm going to make something that's totally mine, you know? And again, you know, if you like it, wonderful. I really appreciate it. And if you don't, that's okay too. Yeah, then you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, oh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, so when you're writing these songs, I mean, which style do you like best? I know it's different times in your life and you were at a different point in your life each, yeah. during each, each stage. But yeah. what, which way are you, are you finding you like doing it this way more than, say, yeah. a band? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm headstrong going this way, you know. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm super excited about the new stuff I'm writing. Like, um, like no nostalgia to me is like the starting point. You know, this is like point A. You know, yeah. um, but like some of the new things we're coming up with, you know, really go in this cool direction, um, and that fits with who I am, and you know the you know, vocals and, and all that stuff, you know, we, I worked with, uh, you know, literally no nostalgia is the starting point, you know, okay. and we've gotten, you know, we've come a long way with, even with the songs and the writing and stuff like that. So, I mean, although we're super focused right now on promoting this EP, you know, our plans are to go back and, and record some more songs, you know? Okay. And you're going to release singles or a full album or not sure yet? Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't gotten that far down the road uh, just because we've been so focused on, you know, putting our live show together and, um, and the EP release, you know, okay. but as far as the songs, yeah, they're there, you know, okay. um, and they're even incorporated, you know, uh, like when we do go play out live, we're going to have new songs as well. So nice, nice. Now I just, no Nostalgia is out on Golden Robot Records. Right. And uh, actually, last week, I had Mark on. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So how did you guys end up hooking up? So, again, like I told you, like, um, I when I just made the decision to do this, Joe, I was like, I'm just going to put it out myself, right? You know? And then, then I started looking at, like, the enormous task of, you know, hiring this promoter and what distributor. So really I had just contacted, you know, a, um, an attorney that we knew that I had known that kind of is in that distribution world. And I was like, 
can you help me just find distribution for this, you know? Um, and then I'll put it out through like CD baby or something like that, you know? And that was the plan. Right. So, and I'm kind of floating around online, getting my social media stuff together and trying to get this. And again, looking at the enormous task of, you know, putting this thing out, coming back out after such a long break, what am I going to do? So I come across one of golden robot, robots artists you know on facebook okay just out of the blue and he's talking about golden robot and i'm like i hadn't heard of golden robot so i go to their website and it's like this record company but it's it's all you know like this media company and i'm like they're like they say they're artist friendly and then i started checking out their artists i'm like okay so they got a cool selection of artists i've never heard of them so this is what I did. I literally did an inquiry online, you know. I mean, I just sent an, you know, email like, "Hey, you know, uh I don't remember if I said like ex-sponge guitarist or something. I'm, you know, trying to find out some information and everything. Wouldn't you know it? Like 2 or 3 days later, I get an email back from the CEO founder, you know, Mark Alexander Gerber, you yeah. know. And <laughs> you know, so that, that I'm blown away by that, you know, like, okay. And he goes, Hey, um, A&R, this was right around, you know, it was shutting down for the holidays. You know, he's like, my A&R people are out. Um, send me the details. And I'm like, okay. You know, he goes, can you send me some songs? And I'm thinking, well, you don't have to ask me twice, right. you know? And so I shoot him off like four songs. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't ex- really expect to hear anything. Again, I'm I'm just heading down the road like I'm putting this thing out. So a few days later, I'm I'm sitting here, you know, after rehearsal, it's, you know, kind of in evening time, and uh, I get this call, and it's all these crazy numbers, you know, and, and it says Australia, you know. And so I'm like, Australia? So I pick up the line, and it's Mark Al- Alexander Gerber, and he's like, is this Mike Cross? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's telling me, he goes, I'm literally listening to the song in my car, you know, um, smile like a knife, you know. He goes, who the hell is singing this song? And I'm like, I am. He goes, you got an awesome voice. Who's playing guitar? And I'm like, I am. He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, you know, and he was literally jazzed about the music, you know. It really touched me, you know, how, yeah. how, jazzed and he said he had been listening to it back and forth and he says hey i get you know 200 demos a day and you know i really like this stuff can we start talking about you know what what you got going on i'm like heck yeah you know so it it went really quick and what he convinced me you know like it's one of those gut things you know Mm -hmm. like he really understood what i was doing with the music you know um, it wasn't like a whole lot of back and forth. It was like, hey, he gets it. And man, if I could have somebody take this enormous task of marketing this thing, which I really don't know much about, you know, because I've right. been out of it for so long, wouldn't that be a great thing, you know, to come out with? And um, I've just been continually impressed by how they do things and how they stand behind their bands and you know, how passionate they are about music. So, um, I, you know, I, I just feel super fortunate. So that's awesome. Yeah. When I was speaking to him, you know, I I talked to him about a lot of things and he was saying how, um, artist friendly they are. And, you know, he convinced me to go on their label. And I told him, I said, if I had something to put out, I'd want to be on your label. (laughs) Cool. 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 Did you tell him you were, uh, you had me up on uh, uh, set up on deck or what? I didn't tell him that. I didn't yeah, tell him that though. Right. But no worries. He'll see it. He'll see it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, great he, guy. Yeah, he is. He and is you know what a, a you know what a visionary. You know, it's like to have a place for you know artists to go that you know maybe are doing something a little bit different and maybe aren't you know so mainstream and stuff and uh, and of course it's just you know it's a whole different world with major labels now you know. So it's not like I got anything against him, but I mean, um, for me, it just wasn't an option, you know, to start looking at something like that, you know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, with Golden Robot, it appears that 
if you're on their label, you're part of them. You're not just a another band on the label. You, you know, that's exactly it, Joe. You know, um, he, when he uh, our initial talks, he was like, you know, mate, I run this like a family. You know, we're we're a family. We're brothers and sisters here, and um, you know, I it was hard for me to you know take because you know I come from the major label world where it's like, Hey, you either make it or break, you know? Um, and I wasn't looking for that because it was this, this music to me was so special and so important. You know, this, this, you know, this was my, you know, you know, kind of like reintroduction to really who I am and what I want to do. You know, I wasn't looking for somebody to do make it or break, you know? Mm -hmm. And he convinced me, you know, we stand behind, our people, you know, and the biggest thing is he was very passionate about the music. You know, it was super apparent to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I tend to be right. My, my gut decisions tend to be right. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm never, you know, wrong, but you know, he really convinced me and, uh, I've been, again, I, I feel very fortunate to have met up with him and be involved with that company. So. Well, good. So when you were recording this album, did you record it at a home studio or did you go yeah. into a studio? Yes. The, actually, I recorded uh, the, the the demo, you know, the the bones of it um, at the studio that I originally did Ronnie Pinata, you know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, and I did it on two-inch tape, too, you know, really? because that's all I knew, you know. Um, and then so this last year was about, you know, you know, kind of getting it mixed into the digital world, you know, so we could release it digitally, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I basically did things the same way that I stuck with the same formula that sponge did, you know? Um, only difference is there's no more sponges, you know, it's just me, (laughs) you know? So, you know, I produced it the same way, you know, when I went and mixed it with the guy that, uh, you know, the, the studio that mixed it, I was there, you know, mixing it the same way I did with Sponge. I mean, I was at every recording session and every mix session that Sponge ever did. You know, I was never not there um, because I had a hand in all of it, you know. Right. Um, so, and uh, although we've had some great mixers and, you know, Tim Palmer, who is outstanding, um, you know, mixed, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, our, three of our um three of the records i was on i was always you know with him and um you know just kind of throwing in my two cents um you know but especially from not so much mixing but from a production standpoint i was always there and arranging and all that kind of stuff so now you you said you record on two eight two inch tape are you still going um like through cabinets and all that or are you using plugins in the digital world no plugins okay yep Oh. Yep. No, I'm, I'm still, and, and, and I've, I've kind of rethought the two inch tape because literally, you know, it's so cumbersome now, um, you know, you know, maybe the additional stuff, depending on where we go, um, I'm still going to be, you know, live sound and band. Uh, but no, I don't do the plugins things. Nope. Okay. Have you tried yep. them and just don't like them or you just don't even want to test it out? Yeah. I, I just kind of got my formula and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you may have noticed, but I'm a little bit picky about guitar tones. I don't know, you know, anybody that, um, that mixes with me is, I, you know, I can, you know, we'll get it mixed and I'll, and I, I listen to stuff, but Joe, I listen to it on like 10, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's, there's mixers are like, well, you got to turn it down to two to kind of, <laughs> and I'm like, I listen to it like literally in my Corvette on a CD on 10. That's okay. The best way, right? <sighs> And about 25 times in a row, you know, and when the mids, you know, of the guitars, like make your face feel like they're being peeled, your skin is being peeled from your face, Uh then I know we got it right, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm kind of old school when it comes to that way, but, uh, probably won't be doing the two inch thing just because it's, you know, it's hard, you know, to get a studio that does that number one. And we got so much material now that yeah. we're writing that it it just doesn't really make much sense. I didn't so. even think two inch was still around. Yeah, I mean you can get it somewhere. You know, yeah. you, there's places. I know places. <laughs> so you know, I was listening to no, no nostalgia, and that's one of the things I noticed was your tone on your guitars. 
Um, yeah. How long does it take you to find that right tone when you're? Yeah. Reading? So um, I I I, I kind of like it's 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 about the guitar, you know, that I'm using for a per, per particular song, but you know, I've always stuck with like the Fender and the Marshall amps, you know, um, and that live sounding. I don't know Eric Clapton, Aerosmith, Jimi Hendrix. You know those influences come in, and and it's kind of like, you know, um, I will sit there in a studio until it's absolutely right. Um, and again, I, I've driven a mixer producer guy crazy <laughs> more than once. You know, uh, because they send me the mixes and I'm happy with them, and then all of a sudden we got to go back and you know <laughs> tweak them just a little bit more. You know, so when I signed off on the no nostalgia stuff it was right, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, so that EP, you know, definitely had my stamp of approval on it. So, well, you got a great tone, great sound of this record. Thanks, man. Yeah. I I'm digging it. I've been listening to it. Um, I know you had two singles come out and then your latest single stoned in love. Is that the latest one? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then that came out just a couple weeks ago, right? Yep, yep, and they, they call that apparently the focus single, right? You know, on an EP. So, um, and that was our third single. The first one was "Call It What You Want," um, and then "Smile Like a Knife," and then uh, "Stone in Love" is the, you know, the third and final single off this EP. So, right, and then your the full five song EP came out a couple of days after "Stoned in Love." Yeah, 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 okay. exactly. Now so. that's a that's a new, I guess, kind of strategy, right? To do it that you way. Know, yeah. And, um, and that's all, you know, golden robot, you know, that's their machine, that's their marketing, you know, their thing. And, and I kind of like look to them to say, you know, I mean, I gave them some ideas of what I thought the single should be and maybe what should be on the EP, but, um, they're very involved in the, in the marketing, but, you know, I'll, I'll go back to Mark Alexander Gerber, you know, um, you know, just kind of throwing the songs at him and, I didn't really have an order of the EP, you know? Uh -huh. Um, and you know, he shot me an email. He goes, you know, mate, I think this should be the order, you know? And I'm like, okay, so here's a guy that signed, you know, filter and, you know, right. <laughs> like that. And, you know, he's kind of, you know, so interested in the music that he's helped me out with an order. I really felt, you know, very, um, I don't know, like I, I really appreciated that, you know, to have that personal touch, um, to be that, you know, a fan of the music and stuff to make a suggest, make suggestions like that. But in terms of marketing they're uh, they listen to my ideas and I listen to them. So it's been a really good working relationship. So good. Tell me about, um, the band now. Did you, you do you have the same band now, same band members as you did when you recorded or did you find no. them after? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the demo thing was kind of like me going and, uh, you know, I'm going to do this all myself. I'm not going to do a band. Um, so it was kind of like two separate things. Although the guy I chose to be in our touring band is the guy that played all the bass on no nostalgia. So okay. that was an obvious choice. Um, but I brought in a guy named Bobby G local guy around here to play, you know, guitar. Now I've always been, you know, even, you know, since Sponge and even before Sponge, I always liked the sound of two guitar player bands, you know, now Loud House was a one guitar player band, but that was kind of like a fluke because the one guitar player guy quit before we got the deal. So mm -hmm. it really was a two guitar player band. It was just, I was the only one left and then we wrote songs and we got the deal, but Sponge was a two guitar player band. And I'm a big fan of that, you know, Leonard Skinner and Alice, Alice Cooper band, Aerosmith that you know when I used to listen to music when I was cutting my teeth you know I would learn all of the Aerosmith licks and I didn't know back then if Brad played them or Joe played them you know right. I just learned like the whole song his solo Joe solo Brad solo you know same thing yeah. um but I what happened is I learned how to intertwine those parts you know, and, and how, you know, you playing something further up the neck and then somebody playing in the first position, what a wall of sound that makes, you know. So I had always wanted to incorporate that into what I was doing. So Bobby G, you know, understands that vision and, and he's a real guitar player. So it was he was a big 
big uh, piece to putting my touring band together. You know, mm-hmm. um, he knew a drummer um, who is now our touring drummer. His name's Daryl Poor. Um, and then you know the final person was the background singer uh, K.K. Schofield, who really hasn't sang professionally in anything before. Um, she just uh, you know convinced me that you know she really wanted to do this. So um, oh, wow. we needed you know, and so literally I auditioned her over the phone because this was all going down during COVID, you know. And uh, so she sang me a few songs over the phone. I said, well, that, that takes guts. You know? <laughs> over the phone. <laughs> you know? And then so I go, well, do you want to come to a rehearsal? And she goes, yeah. And so she shows up, you know, with four other guys, you know, that she doesn't know. You know, this young woman shows up and she's got like, you know, spandex pants on, big, long, white boots, you know, knee-sized boots with <laughs> feathers in her hair she showed up ready to go yeah she's ready you know? to go and um she killed it you know um i gave her all the parts and i'm like okay so now we got something here you know so wow that's interesting yeah do you um when you're writing lyrics for mc Rhodes, is this the first time you wrote lyrics or did you write lyrics with sponge actually some of the songs like uh some of the album tracks like um uh, I'll give you an example. Um, Fields, a song called Fields on the Ronnie Pinata and, uh, and, um, Miles, uh, you know, those two songs, there are probably a couple other things, but no, I always given lyrics, um, up when I'm writing a piece of a song, you know, uh-huh. but full song lyrics, this is my first, you know, go at it, you what, know, what is it so, a challenge for you? Go ahead. Was it was it a challenge for you? You know, lyrics to me are the hardest thing. Um, yeah, because it seems like the music and the melody come first, um, but they're also the most magical thing. And what I mean by that is, somehow, you know, it just comes out to where the the lyrics fit the song. You know, and so although early on the process was a little bit more cumbersome the way it's working now is like the song melody comes you know before it was always a guitar part right because i was guitar player contributing so now i hear the melody in my head and it's not the guitar player you know so but i already got that part down you know i know how to come up with a riff for a song i mean that i i can do um so but the melodies are coming now and so it starts with the melody, and then then I kind of put the bones of the song, and then the lyrics just, bam, they're starting to come right away, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, their t- personal touches, their stories. You know, I, I, I kind of, I like to approach it like a story. That's all I can say, you know? Um, and it's, um, it's, although it was the most cumbersome, I'm, I'm having the most fun with that now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So what do you... Now I know we still have COVID going on in the world and everything. Yeah, touring's yeah. kind of hit or miss. But what I mean, what are the plans for to get on the road? Yeah, so that's been very challenging, as you know. I mean, not only for the industry, but you know, you know the people, the promoters, the clubs, and everything like that. So, um, and of course, because you know we're just building audience. You know, right now we're just starting out, and so you know, there are bands that have been waiting it out that are established bands that are, you know, Hey, tours come up, they're on them, you know? So it's kind of like a double whammy, you know, it's like, not only are we officially a new band, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, there's a couple people that know who I am, but you know, it's been a little while, you know, right. for me. So it's kind of like a whole fresh new thing. So this thing, no nostalgia was like establishes establishing us as a new band you know with you know with a new ep and social media presence and stuff like that so right now i'm just starting to get options for you know touring and and playing and stuff like that so we're looking at hard at those does that make sense or does it make sense to release a few more singles you know keep getting the word out so you know i'm going to look you know at 
at our record company decide, you know, what do, what do we do next? Because we've literally just been so focused at getting the word out on the CP, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, touring is, you know, I mean, that we got to bring the music to the people, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how you spread the word, right? You got it, man. You don't have radio and MTV anymore. That's right. So it's like, you know, old school, go play. So, yeah. and I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, good. All right, Mike. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time. Um, now, the album is out, so people can go get it. No nostalgia. Yeah. Um, they can get it from where? Well, the easiest, you know, and I always say this, you know, Golden Robot uh, Records has a profile for us, you know, so you can find us uh, Golden Robot slash MC Roads. Uh, on their website, goldenrobots.com. But, you know, we're also, um, you know, on iTunes, uh, Spotify, you know, we got profiles up there. So it's it's being released, from what I understand, at anywhere you can get digital music. So, okay. um, and you can find us, you know, um, you know, uh, Twitter, you know, Facebook, The MC Roads, and, um, you know, on Instagram, MC underscore Rhodes. We're we're building our presence out there. So, okay, okay, good. Now, is this available on uh, any physical copies, or is it all digital? No, right now it's a digital release. Okay. Uh, that's that's all we're doing right now, um, and we're just kind of getting the word out. You know, so yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, it sounds great. Um, like I said, I've been listening to it. I love it. Um, I'm excited to hear that you're going to be doing some new music in the future and I can't wait to hear that. Hey Joe, this has been a great talk, man. Felt, you know, just great talking with you. I, I love it when they're like this to where we're just chatting about music, you know? So that's awesome. It's, it's that, cool. That, that's the feel I, I want to get from it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you had that feel. Absolutely, sir. So right, thank buddy. you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah, man. If you ever want to come on again, just let me know. You got my info. I, I I do, sir. You know, so we'll we'll be in touch. Okay. All so. right, sir. See ya. Hey, thanks, Joe. All Have right, a good bye. night. Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast, available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.